0: Money FM 89.3. Best of Breakfast. Breakfast Special. Welcome to the Breakfast Show's Environment Special Climate Connections. Food, glorious food, humans consume about 350 million tons of meat a year globally. By 2050, that meat consumption is projected to reach between 460 million and a staggering 570 million tons. Out of that, beef takes up a significant proportion, over 20% to be exact. But listen, farts and burps are never pretty. And cows have often gotten a bad rep because their methane-rich gas has been found to greatly contribute to climate change. A single cow releases about 250 to 500 liters of methane a day. And within a year alone, some one billion cows used in the global meat and dairy industries, combined with other animals like sheep raised for livestock, account for about 30% of methane emissions. They're responsible for releasing the methane equivalent of about 3.1 gigatons of carbon dioxide into the atmosphere. Whoa! But wait a minute. In the depths of Australia's waters lie an unconventional approach to lessening those emissions, a native red seaweed, asparagopsis.
1: It wasn't my idea specifically, but working with a, a bunch of scientists here in Australia that were feeding a variety of seaweeds to livestock to see the impact it would have on their methane emissions. But they were feeding a variety of different things, not just seaweed, but also gum leaves and and native plants to see what what was going to have the biggest impact. But I think the surprising discovery was that this native red seaweed with only a tiny amount, so just 0.2% of the animal's diet, so it's like a small shot glass really, could virtually eliminate methane emissions. But then what were the real challenges was that there was no commercial supply and also nobody knew how to grow it. And so our challenge became overcoming the commercial or industrial scale supply of this product so we could create real impact. And that's what we've been able to do over the past five years.
0: Former fashion designer turned seaweed specialist Sam Elsom set up Seaforest, a climate startup that's aiming to decarbonize the global livestock industry one methane belching cow or sheep at
1: a time. So methane is emitted by livestock as a byproduct of the digestive process. So as they break down organic matter in their stomach, they produce this gas um, it's, and they break it down through fermentation and this gas is gone to the atmosphere. It's really what farmers are now beginning to understand, that that gas that goes to the atmosphere is representing a loss of energy efficiency. Like if you or I were to eat certain food and we were burping all the time. And Then you might call it a sort of indigestion, where we, when the animals have these supplements, it actually improves their digestive process. And they keep more of the energy from the food that they consume to make milk or meat.
0: Feeding cows seaweed may seem like a drop in the ocean compared to the overwhelming impact of global greenhouse gas emissions. But scientists at Seaforest found that by introducing their algae-based supplement, sea feed, to a herd's diet, they could actually reduce methane emissions by as much as 90%.
1: So we do put the seaweed in the feed, um, but we only include it as a supplement. Because of the salt content of seaweeds, you can't have too much of the diet be seaweed. So it can't be a full replacement because there'll be too much salt in the diet. But there are some freshwater seaweeds That could be included into livestock diet by up to 20 percent. So, you know, there there may be a possibility to replace terrestrial grains and things with uh, seaweed alternatives.
0: And now that they've discovered a gem in this red seaweed, Sam's team is working hard at figuring out how to cultivate it as best as they can without impacting its natural home.
1: Well, we didn't want to have our activities impact uh, the natural marine biodiversity or these natural ecosystems. So we were been very conscious to to grow our seaweed away from those environments. Um, Also, as part of our cultivation activities, we monitor a range of different sites around our farm to make sure that our activities are not having a negative impact on the natural marine biodiversity. The seaweed is wildly abundant around Tasmania so if you were to go snorkelling at any time of year you would see this seaweed uh, in nature growing with other different types of seaweeds. Um, the way we grow it is that um, we had to start by closing what's called the life cycle of the seaweed. We had to control the, the, the reproduction of the seaweed so being able to trigger spore release and then be able to seed ropes that we could then grow out into a, what is a marine farm. So the, we, we seed small little plants onto the ropes. Those, they take about eight weeks to grow, fully mature, and then we harvest. So we're harvesting every eight weeks from the marine farm. The way we grow it is on structures that are submerged six metres below the surface. So we're growing the seaweed in the water column. In nature, the seaweed grows on the bottom, but the way when we farm it, it's growing actually in the water column. So not on the top and also not on the bottom. We also are growing the seaweed on land, which is interesting. We use uh, fresh seawater that comes in, is circulated in the pond in a current generated by a paddle wheel, and it's just free-floating. And uh, what we find is that the seaweed increases in density and then it stops growing and we harvest. So uh, very different from the way the seaweed grows in nature, but all driven by photosynthesis.
0: All that work now accounts for a sprawling 1,800 hectares of land and marine space, along with three seasons of seaweed farming behind them. And if you're wondering, Sam says that sea forest's primary challenge isn't its ability to grow enough seaweed for livestock feeds.
1: One of our major challenges has been not our capacity to grow the seaweed or, or produce products, but rather the you know the incentives or policy settings necessary for farmers to adopt. What we see is that even at a small cost, it's still a cost on the supply chain. And unless we have the supply chain collaboration, then farmers don't get the cost of the seaweed back. There's no cost recovery. What we would like to see and what we're working on now is how we can get you know, retailers and brands involved, large supply chains to collaborate because what is a a reasonable cost on a primary producer could be a tiny cost to consumers, less than 1% on the retail liter of milk or kilogram of beef, but it's about a 10% premium for a farmer. So it's too much for a farmer, but it's not too much for consumers. It's negligible. So we are, are starting to work more with brands and large supply chains where we have, um, you know, finished products available to to consumers. So, for example, we have been working with a sheep farmer in Tasmania, now two sheep farmers, where the wool from the sheep has been used to make carbon neutral uh, knits and net zero suits. So we can make products where the the brand is willing to pay a premium for the wool and then the farmer gets the cost back. We also have um, a burger chain, third largest burger chain grilled um, where they have been feeding their cattle and now producing a a product called the game changer where a customer walks into the door they say would you like to upgrade to save the planet and the customer has a choice of paying one dollar extra for a low emissions beef burger and they found an overwhelming response almost one in three customers that walks through the door chooses this burger so it shows that you know consumers really do care about this Uh, particularly the next generation. So we're working with brands and, uh, and with retailers to try to create the sort of supply chain collaboration necessary to make this work.
0: Transforming from a small team of dedicated environmentalists to a well oiled team on a shared mission to turn our livestock into better climate citizens, Sam, who's also an Earthshot Prize finalist, says that Seaforest has grown into a powerful crew driven by curiosity
1: and heart. So, we believe that Earthshot Prize will help us to spread awareness of our solution to try to help both consumers and large supply chain partners to understand the impact that we can create. It also gives an amazing level of credibility and and recognition to the work that we're doing. But in terms of our ambitions, I believe we're a long way there already. I think that one of the major challenges for us is around adoption and how we we can only realise impact through collaboration. So whilst we produce an amazing supplement that has this incredible outcome, we can't realise any impact unless a farmer puts it in the mouth of cattle. We've just come back from a trip overseas uh, where we've been talking to uh, retailers and large brands in Europe and in the UK and also in the US. So there's definitely a strong appetite to use this product in other regions. And we also hope to take our seaweed cultivation technology to other parts of the world. So that's certainly part of our plan. We, we, we believe, even though we're in Tasmania, what we're producing is a global solution to methane emissions in livestock, and we intend to try to create a global impact. That was Climate Connections on Money FM
0: 89.3. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at audio.sg or download the audio app. That's A-W-E-D-I-O, audio at the App Store and Google Play.